Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. It's going to be that kind of day. Yeah, it is. Welcome. And Evan even brings ice cream down to the studio downtown Nashville. Yeah, baby. You just can't be. I'll tell you what, just from a free market story. Yes. Um, I was impressed that the McDonald's downtown actually had their Sunday machine working. So that was a plus. <laughs> that is always good. And I bet there's like four million square feet of <laughs> space going up. <laughs> Around that McDonald's downtown, I mean, I I Say couldn't turn what? right. I couldn't turn right for about four blocks. No, maybe yeah. five because all of that's blocked off because of construction. So <laughs> I don't know what all's going in there, but there's a lot of building going on. Well, the, there was at one point like 120 cranes or something like that in Nashville. Yeah, I mean, it was like ants. You could see construction workers running around. I mean, it was exciting, but I yeah. couldn't get across <laughs> to Demumbrian. Yeah, that's why they, they. I heard that they changed the uh, the state bird to the crane. <laughs> oh, but okay. So uh, we have, you know, I, I think I think this is going to be one of those shows where I just kind of kick back. I only have a couple things that I I thought would be really. I always have a lot of things, but I'm just going to kick back some because I know that Ira, you have been driving. And if you're anything like me, when I'm out there like doing yard work, I'll I'll do I, I like cutting the grass in the summer, just because I sit there and think. Absolutely. And you were coming back from Florida. From Florida, yep. Sold the house, and you had, you know, yeah, sold the house. Decided that you know it's interesting because you know sometimes you get tied down to a piece of real estate and you decide, no, you know what? It's kind of like that that whole. There was a study done on whether things make us happier or whether experiences make uh, us happier. Well, my wife is all about experiences. You know, it's like, and for her, it doesn't... Well, that's what went out in the study. Yeah, and, experiences. And, and for her, you know, like, for example, she doesn't buy the grandkids' toys. She'll buy the, um, you know, my the, the, the daughter and son-in-law and the grandkids a, um, a pass to the zoo for the year. Or a pass to something else for the year. That's the stuff you're going to remember. Right. So, right. like, for example, last year um, for Christmas, um, I got uh, one of the daughters and the grandson tickets for, um, uh, what's that Christmas movie? Um, big thing. Uh, uh, Polar, Polar Express? Express? No, not Polar Express. <laughs> it's um, a Wonderful Life. Ho uh, Home Alone? Home Alone. Uh -huh. Home Alone. That's not a Christmas movie. I know it's at Christmas time. I get it. But you know, when I think of Christmas movie, I think of heartwarming. Die Hard. Make you want to, you know, just make Die you want to. One of no, those Christmas baby, movies out there. I think, I, I, yeah, right. I, I okay. think it was Home Alone, but it might have been anyway. a different movie. I, I don't recall which one. But it was playing at the symphony, and the symphony plays the music score for the movie. Okay, so I'll have to take your word for it that there is like symphonic music behind that. I have no idea. Oh yeah, 
I, I think there was a lot of these. I got, I went and saw um, one of the Star Wars movies. I like inspiring movies. I got to be inspired when I go. I find it, it, Star Wars trilogy very inspiring. No, I don't mean that. I mean Home Alone. <laughs> you know, tricking you know people that are trying to. I don't know. I think just, it was Home Alone. Whatever. Anyway. But so, anyway. But it was just you know the experience of. This will have something to do with investing eventually, it, guys. It was, you know, it was, but no, it was about the experience. The experience of. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Got, and then so so our daughter took her to our the grandson to that. So he got to experience the symphony. Which is cool. He's nine years old. Yes. Got to experience the symphony. And then they went to Opryland for the ice thing. And, you know, she took the whole, you know, her kids and grandkids. And I'm like, I'm not walking around in 30 degree weather or 10 degree weather. No, that's just not me. Um, but we just, you know, we, we looked at, you know, what, you know, we have this house. And we have several trips planned for this summer because, you know, she's in the school system. So all of our vacation actually surrounds her vacations, spring break, winter break, right. Christmas, you know, um, and so forth. So we wouldn't be going to the house this summer. And to keep up another house is just crazy. Mm -hmm. And then Florida, you know, tax wise is crazy. And then they can. Oh, yeah. Property tax. Is Property it really? Tax. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because with, when you live in Florida, you could homestead it, mm -hmm. and then they can only increase um, the, your taxes like 3% a year. Okay. Where if you have a second home and it's not your primary residence there, mm -hmm. they tax you on the new appraised value. So if your house is going up. So you subsidize everybody else. Yeah. So if your house is going up 15% a year, like we've seen, you know, uh, it just becomes crazy. So. Um, and then they just came out with another rule that if you're not a permanent resident there at least nine months of the year, mm -hmm. they were adding an additional premium on to your homeowner's insurance. Ouch. Especially so, with her. Yeah. So hurricanes like, and all the other stuff yeah. you're paying for now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, homeowner's is insurance crazy. is tough right now. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's time to sell it. We, you know, she said, I would rather travel. And we said, all right. So you did that. So you were thinking about investing things on the way back. And I'm curious what hit your head that you, you thought, whoa, this is profound. I've got to talk about this. Well, one of the, okay. So we decided that we would take the money from the sale of the house that mm -hmm. we made on the house. We would put it into an investment. And then every year for travel, mm -hmm. we would take some of the money off of that fund mm -hmm. and use that money for travel. So whatever came off of it, you're not dipping in into principal, or well, are you taking off what you thought would be a reasonable? Well, it, it's all going to depend because you know if we want to book a you know a couple of trips, you know, and we book them in advance, but we don't pay for them until it gets closed, so the markets could be down. So <clears throat> we could be taking a little bit of money out when the market drops, but it's no different than you know putting together your four hundred one k or your IRA. And you're living off, let's say, a 4% income. Right. And then, you know, the markets drop. So that year that you take out $10,000, it might be a 4.5% income. But mm -hmm. the following year, if the markets go up, you know, 12%, and you're taking out 4%, now you have more growth in the portfolio. Right. And yeah, and that's a really good point to make. <laughs> I was making that to somebody yesterday we were talking about. She was retiring, and, and she goes, I never really thought about this until just now. 
I just really thought about it, you know. And I says, yeah, I says, it was like my professor that I like to tell the story of who says, hey, you know, when you're giving guidance to people about retirement, just recognize that you've never been there, that, you know, that they've never been there before and you've never been there either. Yeah. You know, be sensitive to that. And, you know, as the conversation was regarding, you know, taking an income off and she goes, how do you do this? How do you do this? And you know, I was walking through the thing that I like to do where I say, okay, back in the 1970s, you could buy a house for $30,000. Now it's, you know, $400,000, but let's say it's 300 just to say it's 10 times. Yeah, you know, so stocks back then were selling for $16 for every dollar of earnings. And they're still for 16 for every dollar of earnings, but now it takes 10 times as much earnings. So therefore, prices, you know, what am I paying? Price P over E earnings is 160 to 10, where it used to be 16 to 1. And I was explaining that, and she's, I could tell she was sort of, sort of getting it. Then I said, we got to go even further. And that's what I did, is I did what you, you were talking about, Ira, is like, Okay, let me let's walk through and I showed her the slope of the stock market. You know, the 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 slope has been showing the growth of various asset classes during the 1980s when we had lots of inflation. I said, when was inflation bad? She goes, 1980s, early 1980s, right? Late 70s, early 80s and so on and so forth. And she goes, I said, yep. And I said, yeah, look at the slope of that curve as in how the stock market grew during that particular decade. Right. It was compensation for inflation. And one of the things that has been happening recently is we've been seeing companies actually engaging in, you know, they're, they're, you remember last weekend, last Sunday, right? What was right. the, what was the video that Biden put out? Oh, you're, shr shrinking, you're shrinking the boxes. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, because as I've said a million times, nobody wants to be the first person to raise the price on the good. Right. So what you do is you just shrink the box and, you know, and you pick on them, but you have to do something. And when you shrink the size of the box, what you're doing is you're reducing the cost of goods sold. Yeah. Which is part of the formula to get to earnings. You have sales minus cost of goods sold minus operating expenses minus interest minus taxes equals earnings. You got to do something. And then, you know, you look at the returns in the 1980s and you're trying to get inflation protection. Yes. And you might have, you know, there were years, good grief, you had some asset classes going up 70%, mm -hmm. which was well more than enough to actually compensate for that 10, 11% inflation. Right. You know, so, and that is, and you get it, you go, wow, you know, that when I'm working, I got one person producing this income is the point I like to make. When I'm retired, I get tens of thousands you know, of companies right. with people, millions and millions and millions of people working to produce an income for me. And, you know, people yet yeah, people worry about retirement. And I go, so you're a socialist. It, it seems to me you're a little bit safer <laughs> when you've got tens of thousands of companies with millions of people working on your behalf. I mean, I don't you know, I don't know if you want to say safer, but it's just it takes some of the oh, this is scary. Right. Out of it. Yeah. You know, you think about the unintended consequences of shrinkflation and, you know, it's almost a similar uh, concept that takes place then in the home, just like a corporation. But, you know, for years, you know, especially if you cook or even restaurants and so forth, they adapt more quickly. A recipe may call for a can of soup and XYZ seasonings and this much salt. 
Mm-hmm. But if that can of soup is now 13 and a half ounces, all of a sudden the cook has to adjust. And say, oh, I can't put that much, you know, oregano. I can't put that much extra stuff because it just isn't going to taste right. Mm-hmm. And corporations do the same thing. You know, they're adjusting to make sure it is a product that's profitable and people adjust all the way down the system. Now, obviously, you know, someone cooking in the kitchen isn't profiting from this change, but everyone adapts and most of us don't notice it when it's happening other than when it makes news of, hey, Kansas Super 13 and a half ounces now instead of 15, you know, whatever they used to be. I've got a you know an interesting example coming up. We've got work this workshop next Friday mm-hmm. on politics and stocks and markets and all of that stuff on on Friday. Uh, you know, guys here at the station have been talking about it all week. But it, and if you want to find out, you just go to paulwinkler.com. You can sign up and and just be on that. And if you can't make it, we'll send you the replay of it. But what I'm talking, one of the things I want to talk about, yeah, is how do we cope when things yeah. become more expensive, right? And I have an example. I was trying to think of an example. I'm not going to tell you what it is. Because <laughs> the example, you've got to watch the workshop. <laughs> but but it, there are things that companies do that you would never think about to oh, cope yeah. with inflation. Yeah. And, and, I got, and I came up with an example for it, for this, uh, for this workshop, and how we, we replace one product with another. And I'll get into it. It, it takes a little while to, to really explain it. But... It is really interesting how we worry about things. And we worry because we think, well, if this happens, here's what's going to, here's where we're going to be going. This is what's, you know, this is going to be really terrible because if, you know, blank, blank, blank happens. But what people don't think about is when news comes out or something different happens, we readjust mm-hmm. our behavior. And we readjust in a way that it, it works out and you go, Oh, because we're a creative lot. Humans are. Yes. We figure out how to work around the, the, the wrenches that are thrown in our world. It's the way I look at it. But, you know, sometimes you don't even notice things happening. Like, I remember years, years ago, my uncle saying to me, well, you know, the Haagen-Dazs ice cream container is only 14 ounces. Yeah. And I, I was living here at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was a very, very big ice cream person. And I'm like, no, it's not. And sure enough, I went into, you know, the market to pick up and I'm learning. And sure enough, and I was like, well, not here it's not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know what you get in Florida, but not here in Tennessee. And sure enough. The pint of ice cream was only 14 ounces. It wasn't a pint. <laughs> but Breyers had done that quite some time before that. Mm-hmm. Their half a gallon was no longer a half a gallon. It was somewhere between a quart and a half a gallon. Mm-hmm. Um, so things can change with their shrinkflation, if you will. And you, you don't even know what's happening yeah. if you're not really paying a whole lot of attention. Yeah, yeah, and and that's just the, that's just the thing. It's it's like how can we raise prices without directly raising prices? Because we always talk about how you know stocks historically protect us from inflation. You know, I use the example. We use the example of of like things like gold. And you look back at you look back and you go, oh my goodness, gold has not protected against inflation historically. No, 
Not even close. No, and it has more risk than stock. And yet people are out there selling gold, silver. I saw a workshop. Oh, it really bothered me. It was at a, it was at a church. That's what really bothered me. And it was using the book of Revelation, you know, to and to try to tell people, hey, you need to go sit through this workshop on gold and silver. And all I could do is just, and you know, it's funny, I said it to a client and she goes, that one never even entered my mind. You know, that, that, you know, that would be a good topic for a workshop for, you know, the book of Revelation. I go, yeah, if you think back, you know, what does it say? It talks about the Babylon falling and all the merchants are, and it's a, there is a total shock to them. Yeah. Right. And it's, a, you know, you look at it as in the days of Noah, you know, it's, it's a total shock when the end comes. And what are you going to do with gold? Are you going to eat it? Uh, you know, are you going to, is it going to have any value? And you look at the past couple of weeks and I don't know what's going to happen, but gold has taken kind of a bit of a drop recently. Interesting. And you go, why? You know, it is just, it, wait a minute. I thought we were having all this inflation and, and yet interest rates have been going up and gold dropped. What, what, wait, wait, what gives? And what is the worst decade for gold in the past, you know, one of the, probably one of the worst decades in the last hundred years is, you know, 1980s when we had inflation, what is this worst? It's just people think that, you know, it seems like it should be a protector against inflation and people are sold on it. And uh, it just doesn't, doesn't work out that well, way. Well, here's the thing that I bring out to people. If, gold, if I'm selling gold mm -hmm. and I'm telling you, <laughs> Your dollar's going down in value. Why would I give you my gold and take your dollars? Take your dollars. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. That was Cindy's epiphany. I mean, it, I mean it's, it's, it's just really pretty make, simple. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're listening to the Investor Coaching Show. I got something for you guys after this break. Have Leviticus get it up. Uh, it's a, uh, <laughs> a Robin Hood thing. And what younger investors are doing. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degreed planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing, and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right, back here on the Investor Coaching Show, Paul Winkler, Evan Barnard, Ira Work, talking money and investing. You know, so one of the things that we find with investors is that a lot of times they make the same mistakes in different decades, but they're making the same mistake just with different holdings. Yes, for sure. Right? Or different technology. Absolutely. You know, so different technology. Case in point, Evan. 60s. Electronics, you know, we, we like to use that example that Burton Malkiel used, Princeton professor, and he was talking about the 1960s. And if you put Tronics behind the name of a company, 
It was an instant boost in share price. <laughs> Petronix. Oh, like 1997. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 1997 through 99.com. Sure. Anything. Pets.com. Yeah. So, you know, and, and just, just depending on the decade. So one of the things I caught this week on CNBC was this description of one of the problems that younger investors are facing and how profitable it is for a trading platform. So Leviticus, if you play that first cut. But these guys have trading balances that they make a lot of money off their customers. At the same time, crypto is 20% and options is 60%. It's that Robin is, in the new world, what young people do. So they've got a young bias. They have a couple new products that work. They've got a gold subscription that people like that is a little gold gives you a little more, more things little for your money. David, I like the quirk. Yeah. And I like the fact that there are younger people coming in and not just buying ETFs. Oh, it's which great, is isn't listen, it? You don't know how, how the hell to pick stocks, so why don't you let us pick stocks? We have an ETF that is good for shovels. But is it any different, the, what the young people are doing, than what they're doing on FanDuel? Or any of the no, platforms? No, it's, it, it's more like DraftKings. It, okay. Where it's daily fantasy for stocks. Right. And if you play Kelsey, you make no money at all. But if you play Hardman, that's like a call on, on alarm. You're so right. I may have to do that. So, so basically using this example of, he's talking about Robin Hood. They have a young bias. In other words, who are they catering to right. in their marketing? Mm -hmm. Younger people. Why? Because they hadn't been there and done that like a lot of older investors have been there and done that, and they've seen the folly of trying to pick stocks, time the market, you know. But, you know, when he hit that thing and he said FanDuel, <laughs> and he's using the example of sports gambling. Right. As in, this is how we're approaching investing, kind of like you do. And you have, fan, like, fantasy football league, right? Yeah, yeah. And he's got fantasy stocks. You know, who's on your team? I don't know anything about fantasy sports or anything. I don't do anything, but I know I've heard something. It's like you choose people from different teams. Don't you to be yeah. on your team? Isn't that it? It's, well, it's I understand the basis of it. Yes, you choose the the football players, to and 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 doesn't matter what team you're on. You use those football players to create your own team. Yeah. And you're using, I believe, their statistics. I was going to say, they're using of, their stats, right. Right. We to, and competing against other people who create their dream team against their stats. And they're winning and, and playing. That's how I understand it to be, that, that with the little bit of talk I've done with people on it. Yeah. I don't follow football. I mean, the Super Bowl, which is, is the only game I basically watch when it comes to football. It was I the liked, only game I didn't watch. I liked the commercials. <laughs> I didn't watch it. Okay. It was... Of all the years I've watched Super Bowls, it was, in my opinion, the best Super Bowl game. It I, I, you know, I've heard people say that they were bored to death. I don't know. I've heard both sides. It was great. I've heard bored to death. <laughs> but what got me is 25, that's what CNBC said, 25% of people were betting on it? Uh-huh. I bet it was a pretty big number. Yeah. Uh, you know, anytime that I that I see that many people betting on something and I see that much money base which is really going to be changing hands if one wins versus the other then I, I just go what are the conflicts the possible conflicts I mean you know, I think Pete Rose and you know betting betting on his his team and you know I just when I, I 
I, that, that that blows my mind that that many people do that. Yeah. But then you look at it; it has legalized that for people where it used to be. And you, the only place you could do that is Atlantic City and, mm-hmm. and Nevada and, Vegas, and you know, Las yeah. Vegas. And well, and now it's. <laughs> but, let's but, clarify. But the now, only place you could legally do it. But now you can legally <laughs> do it, and this is my point. Now you can legally do it. Right. With stocks. In traffic. And not only are they doing that with stocks, they're setting up their systems so that they appeal to younger people to do that. And you always hear at the end of the commercials, if you got a gambling problem, you know, it's going to call 1-800, you know, you got a bad addiction, right. you know, you better get off this stuff, uh, you know, whatever. Um, well, the, in- the industry's disclaimer of the gambling problem is past performance is no indication, you know, no guarantee Right. Future success. Right. Implying that it's close to a guarantee, but we can't say guarantee. Just mind blowing, though. I'm just listening to that and going, that is a great analogy. And then you've got Kramer goes, oh, this is great. I think this is wonderful. You know, it's getting younger people into investing. No, it's getting younger people into gambling the way they're doing it. Transacting. Yes, to transacting. Right. And, you know, you think about that when you uh, we're talking about 25 percent of the population was betting on the game. And regardless of whether the Chiefs won or the 49ers won, guess who was making money? Right. The bookies. That's or right. Vegas or, you know, the house, whether it's FanDuel, DraftKings, you know, pick your poison. No matter who won the game, some of that money was going to the house. And that's the same thing with Wall Street, with that, all the that, transactions. That's right. You just get, I don't care. That's right. You know, Steve Wynn. I don't care if you win. Right. I just want you to play. Or how right. much? Or how much you win? Yeah. That's yeah. What I, said. I don't care how much my people win at my tables. I just care that they're playing. Right. Because you're going to get. We're going to get part of it. As long you know, and and you know, you use the pick and shovel thing. I think he mentioned that briefly in there, and and I'm thinking probably back to the gold rush where mm-hmm. the people making all the money were selling the picks and the yeah. shovels yeah. and the tents and all the utility, you know, the things that you needed to go and dig for gold. That's mm-hmm. who made all the money. Mm-hmm. And yet people are going after the gold, thinking they're going to be the one that gets rich, and very few people actually hit it because most people didn't know what they were looking for. Number one. You know, that was the problem. They didn't even know what gold looked like. Mm-hmm. A lot of them came up with iron pyrite, you know, they just fool's gold, and they didn't even know what they were looking for. So, ah, go figure. But, you know, if you think about it, though, the spot, a 30-second spot went for, I think, $7 million. Yeah. So even companies are gambling that the money they're going to pay for this commercial is going to result in revenue to the firm. But but that's that's at least... There's a good shot that that's a well a when, calculated bet. When you think of a but it's not a bet as so much. It's just an investment in it. But no, I I understand that. But they could have probably gotten a lot more commercials throughout the rest of the year with that kind of money. And there were companies that had multiple commercials of the same commercial. Now, if but you, I don't know how many things that you watch throughout the year where people actually go to sit and watch the game, but they're really sitting there uh, watching the commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah. people don't even watch the game. They're like, I want to see what the commercials are That's this right. year. Yeah, I actually watched the because game. People talk the, about them afterward. Yeah, I actually watched the game for the commercials. And what blew me away with all the commercials this year mm-hmm. was the big name actors that were in these commercials. Oh, really? And some of the commercials had four and five and six. I mean, oh, no kidding. Top, top Hollywood stars. I see. I didn't. It was like I was off doing other stuff the whole time that the game was playing. I mean, you know, I just I didn't feel like watching this year. I don't know why. 
but anyway, I'm on American. <laughs> Paul Winks, our Investor Coaching Show. <laughs> Evan Varner, I wrote work. I'm just going to admit it. Yes, I'm Paul. I've sinned. <laughs> Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.